Right now I'm here with the new Adelaide University Vice-Chancellor. Professor Peter Rathjen is the third University of Adelaide undergraduate to rise to the position of Vice-Chancellor and the first in more than 70 years. After completing his undergraduate degree in 1984 and then lecturing at Adelaide for 14 years, Peter worked up the ranks in the Faculty of Sciences until leaving his role as Foundation Executive Dean of the Faculty of Sciences in 2006. He then moved on to become the VC of University of Tasmania and University of Melbourne. He makes his return to the University of Adelaide in his third Vice-Chancellor role and we welcome him to the studios to discuss his plans and his philosophy behind universities in Australia. Welcome Professor Rathian, how are you today? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. It's a bit too hot for me coming from Tasmania, but uh, I'll get used to it. Absolutely understandable. Would you like to start telling us about what it means to come back as a Vice-Chancellor? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting thing. And I think I didn't know what to expect. You come back to a place that's formed you and you wonder, is it going to be awkward? Um, are people going to uh, welcome you or are they going to be the opposite? You don't know what to expect. For me, it's been far better than I could have ever hoped. Uh, coming back to the university has been like coming back to join a family. Coming back to a city which I grew up in has similarly been much better than I expected. Adelaide's actually a better city now than when I left. There's a lot more life to it. There's a lot more young people in the middle of the city. The work they've done around the Torrens is absolutely fantastic. Um, so I feel all this, but I think my wife feels it even more so. It really is a coming home in a way that makes it feel as though we simply fit. As with any new Vice-Chancellor, the university community are eagerly awaiting your first major actions. Can you tell us what your priorities are early in your tenure? No, my priorities are to listen and to learn. Um, this is an incredibly august, broad, complicated institution. It has wonderful people within it and they have very good ideas about what we can do better or where we might do things that we haven't done before. It's best for me to, as best I can, take the pulse of the institution, hear what people have got to tell me and then subsequently to work out where priorities might lie. It's a bit dangerous to come in with a pre-formed view of the world and force the institution in the direction that may turn out to be inappropriate. With that said, the university community will be expecting you to vocalise their concerns for the lack of funding at universities. What would be your response? So I'm an educator and you'd expect me to put a very high premium on the value of education. I don't think it's ever been as important in the history of the world that people get post-secondary education as it is now. We've created an economy where the lifetime prospects for people who don't go on after school are far worse than those who get TAFE or university qualifications. Uh, we know that people who don't go on after school will earn less, they'll probably find it very, very difficult to get a job. Their life will be poorer in many respects, they won't travel as much for example. They won't live as long. The statistics are very clear, if you finish school you live longer than someone who doesn't, if you do a bachelor's degree you live longer than someone who doesn't go to university, if you do a PhD you live longer. If you're like me and you spend your whole life in universities you just might find eternal life, who knows. But if you look at that, then what it says is, if you have to have post-secondary education to have a meaningful life in the future, then it's society's job to make it possible for you to do that. And I think we need to be having the conversation about why we're not making universities cheaper and more accessible to all, rather than concentrating on the cost up front and starting with that or using that as the starting point for the conversation. Around the world, a lot of countries are choosing to make higher education free at the moment. We tend to look to England, which is one of the unusual ones, uh, but the debate is much more nuanced and much more sophisticated in other places. On a more personal level, what have been some of the experiences, ideas and events that have shaped you as a person and driven you to where you are today? Look, I always say when I have to speak at things like the 21st of birthday parties of my kids, uh, what you want to do if you want to grow up is, first of all, you want to get yourself educated, uh, secondly, you want to travel, and the third thing you need to do is have kids. Now that doesn't go down so well at the 21st, the kids is a little bit premature at that stage. 
But I think the things that have shaped me are my education, and in my case it was my university education, not particularly my secondary school education. I was educated at Adelaide University and Oxford University, and from that came a set of values and a set of philosophies, I suppose, that have underpinned pretty much all of where I've gone. Uh, travel has been terribly important. To not have the arrogance to think that you know the answers or that all the answers are to be found in your backyard and to simply go out and explore what the world has to offer and to show you has been highly illuminating for me. For what it's worth, between jobs, I just spent 11 weeks travelling the Silk Road. I started in central China, went right across China, up through Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan into Iran. Couldn't have affected me more profoundly, and that's at the age of 53. I'm still learning from that kind of thing. And then having kids is important, and I won't go into that too much in detail because I know what your listener demography is, but I have had the pleasure of watching my kids go through university, uh, Monash and Melbourne were their universities, and I've always had admiration for universities, but much more now that I've seen them go through, I, I understand the genius of the place, which is both of them went to university with no idea about what interested them or what their future might look like, and got shaped by a gentle environment that let them find their own way to what it was that the rest of their lives could look like, and they quite rapidly found themselves in a position where they were very confident about what they were going to do with the rest of their lives. That, I think, is the genius of universities. It lets people find out what they need to find out about themselves and to create their own futures. Absolutely. It's not just a, a ticket to a job. It's far more than that. That's right. In your speech at the annual meeting of the university community recently, you mentioned mergers throughout the uni. Could you explain your attentions on that agenda? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know that I mentioned mergers. I think I was asked about mergers by Chris Schott, who does tend to play the devil's advocate. Look, this has been a bit of a poison chalice in South Australia for about 40 years now. People have been talking about it, and it's never happened, and presumably there's a good reason for it not to happen. The approach I was using was not to start with, do we need to merge or don't we need to merge, or do we need any form of restructuring? I think we do need, as a community, and that's a community which is South Australia and Adelaide, to sit down and ask ourselves, what do we want of the university sector? If the universities are key to educating our people and giving us the innovation we'll need to create a new economy, then what does the state need to get from them? And then you can ask the question, so is it getting it at the moment? And if it's not getting it at the moment, then what might be done about it? But to make form follow function is a better way than asserting structure up front and then hoping that good outcomes follow. And what would you say about internal mergers, like faculty mergers? Look, that again is something that Adelaide's done a lot of. My initial observation is that uh, there's been enough restructuring for the moment. My, my hint or my instincts are to not restructure. Structure doesn't solve everything in universities. There are two ways of getting things done. One is through structure, the other is through culture. And I'm happier to work on the culture of how we go about making decisions and how about we communicate than trying to restructure yet again. It's clear you view your role in the university as a facilitator for change, not through your own vision, uh, but through the facilitation of discussion, as you've already mentioned. How do you see this method of leadership creating and sustaining change? You need to start with um, something that's very important, and that is that we employ and teach the best and brightest people that there are in South Australia. We must have confidence that they know their own future and that all the university needs to do is both to show what direction that future might be in and then empower them to get on with what it is that they do best and we will be best off. I always say that um, as a Vice-Chancellor I don't really pretend to know the answers and I actually think that a Vice-Chancellor that does know the answers is a very dangerous beast indeed. You know, how can anyone be across theoretical physics at the same time they're across classical music, at the same time they're across obstetrics and gynaecology? It's, it's not going to happen. You've got to have trust in your outstanding people. So if a Vice-Chancellor that knows the answers is dangerous, what might you want? Perhaps a Vice-Chancellor that can ask some good questions. And I'd like to think that I'm going to be able to prompt debate, prod people to think in new ways, and that together then 
we will coalesce around how we think we can make this a stronger institution. Certainly showing humility and, and maturity, I think, in that outlook. It's something I personally am looking forward to see what you achieve with all your consultation. Uh, stepping away from the university sphere for a moment, what are some of the passions that you're interested in outside of work? Yeah, look, I've talked about travel um, and I'm still blessed. My kids still tend to come with me when I travel, even though they're 25 and 27. And so you get to see the world both through your own eyes and also through that of younger people. That's always a great privilege. History is something that's grown on me a lot. I, I was vaguely interested in it as an undergraduate. I now understand that reading of history will give you a lot of answers about what's likely to happen in the modern world. As a biologist, it's not that surprising. A lot of our behaviour is genetic, and that's accumulated over millions of years. So however we responded 500 years ago to something is probably pretty similar to how we respond to it in the modern world. I like reading. Um, I like classical music very much. And to be honest, I've got a real weakness for sport. And one I keep a little bit hidden, uh, computer games. I spend a lot of time on them and I rather like them. Absolutely. So that's a bit of a futurist vice chancellor we have here, being able to celebrate something that's perhaps not celebrated by your fellow vice chancellors. Well, you might be surprised. I know at least one other vice chancellor. Um, I'm not sure what she plays. I play a bit too much Civilization. I'm sure you know it. Yeah, absolutely. Great game. Yeah. Makes sense, I suppose, for someone in your role. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a large part of my positive university experience personally uh, and professionally uh, was the career opportunities that have a direct relationship to the SAF funding or student services amenities fees of the union and uh, their affiliates. Uh, what's your view on the value of student unions and perhaps more pertinent to that community, do you promote mandatory funding for the union and university subsidiaries? Yeah, let's stay away from the funding because mandatory versus non-mandatory is not as important as are we delivering what the students need. Mm. So the first thing you've got to do is stop asking the question about funding and structures and start asking the question about what do the students actually need or what might they benefit from. And my, my initial observation is that Adelaide does this pretty well. If I walk around the hub I see a lot of students who seem to me to be talking to each other and sometimes talking to staff and engaging with the social life of the university, although I haven't had time to really see it because the students are only just back. If I walk around orientation day to day, it's fantastic from my perspective. There's, there's hundred and something societies out there, there's students everywhere. People seem to be talking across all sorts of boundaries. I can't think how that would be very much better than what it is at the moment. Something's working, but it's probably not perfect. But to make clear that the student experience or what we give to students far transcends lectures and tutorials and practicals is very important for me. We had a conversation just before we came on air about whether the work you're doing here is giving you credit for your course. Uh, it isn't at the moment, but there's an interesting question. Why? Why is it not? When I ask you, has it been useful? Has it helped you in the employability? Your answer is yes, very much so. Uh, we need to find the right ways to listen, and somebody like the student union is a very important part of that. So the ability to get students actively involved in their own university, the ability of getting students in a place where they can start to create new opportunities themselves is important to me. The funding mechanism, in effect, is secondary to that. So the dollars and cents don't matter as much as whether it's actually effective or not? Yeah, yeah. and look, I'm an academic. I always reckon that if you've got an idea that's good enough, the resources will appear from somewhere to follow it, then fund it. There's just different ways of doing it. Of course, we have the great resources of being within the CBD, so there are plenty of things that are actually keeping students here that perhaps other campuses don't quite achieve. I don't know if Adelaide students realise just how wonderful is this location. I, I think the most important thing for a university in the next little period of time is going to be part of a city because being part of a city lets you become much more aware and responsive to what the community needs of you. I watch my own university, Oxford, starting to slip a little bit compared to the London universities because they've got a location that the students prefer. 
I don't know of a university in the world that has a better physical location than the University of Adelaide. It's absolutely remarkable, right in the middle of the city, right where the public transport takes people and right next to some of the best sporting recreation facilities that I've ever seen. It's extraordinary. Now, I'm sure you're still getting adjusted and learning the ropes of your role, but can you tell the current students and staff especially what they can expect in the coming year? I hope that they'll start to feel a surge of energy and empowerment that will encourage them to have the confidence to bring new ideas through, I'm confident they'll be listened to carefully and where possible, when it makes sense, to support them. In terms of specifically what those ideas might be, I can't tell you, but I can tell you they will improve the student experience here. They will improve the curriculum and the employability of the students. They will strengthen the research capability of the university and thereby strengthen its lustre and its reputation. And they will also be ideas that connect us more firmly with the world because we must offer an experience to students that makes them prepared to work in New York or Berlin or Beijing or wherever it is that they want to be. We must also connect ourselves to the world because almost all the ideas in the world are invented outside South Australia and stored outside South Australia and we're one of the groups that can bring them back. But if you think of those three great missions, improving the life of students, strengthening the research and the innovation and making sure that we're connected as firmly with the world as we can be, then any idea that contributes to that is likely to be something we want to do. Well, thank you for joining us, Peter. It's actually been very wonderful to hear your opinions and have you speak on matters that are pertinent to the student experience and staff experience and the broader university community. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, thank you.